Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Beloved listeners of Radio Islam International Welcome back to Hayatun Tayyibah With myself, Ma'alima Shakira Hanja Here at Radio Islam International Alhamdulillah, we've been having fascinating discussions recently And in our second segment of the show We are going to focus on Tadabur fi Ayat al-Rahmani And we are in preparation for the month of Ramadan We are building our connection to the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Today, Alhamdulillah, we are looking at the you know the the steps that were taken to facilitate the recitation of the Quran and subhanallah we thank all those subhanallah who have come before us who've taken so much of time and effort Allahu Akbar to make it's such that it is easy and there's a facilitation of understanding of recitation of recognition when it comes to our reading of the quran and so when we look at the quran this uh, transcripts that were in the early times we spoke about the the way it was put together in the time of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam thereafter in the time of the khalifa khulafa from abu bakr radiallahu anhu umar radiallahu anhu to uthman radiallahu and we look now at the fourth stage you know where now the transcriptions were done but there were no dots there were no da- uh, critical marks so it was very very difficult if you were not an Arab person to be able to recite the Quran because there were no dots there were nothing so let's look at the history of how the dots were placed in the Quran so obviously as an Arab in those days it wasn't customary for them to put a dot because people could literally read and they understood and even if you if, if you ask somebody who knows Arabic you, you don't necessarily need those dots all those fathas all those kasras in the Quran right uh, as you're reciting but the readers they were so used to it so that they had no difficulty at all they could easily distinguish it they knew the doubtful letters they knew the context etc but subhanallah what was happened actually in that in those days it was very often regarded as an insult to put dots right and they would think that if you put too many dots it is actually sort of like there's a there's a there's a suspicion of the, of the fact whether of whether you could understand or you had what was your level of comprehension so at that time of usman anhu, those transcripts did not have any dots just basically the very very prevalent ones and nothing extra but there are many reports now who will tell us who were the ones who actually put in those dots but they they are you know they are there is sort of a difference on who was the first person some reports say to us that this was done by abul asad al-duwadi which is the very famous one right and some people say he did it on his own while others say he did so on the instruction of ali radiallahu anhu other reports tell us that the governor of kufa ziyad bin abi sufyan asked Abu Asad Adwali to actually put in the dots, right? Then there are other reports that say that Hajjaj bin Yusuf, he got it done with the help of Al-Hassan Al-Basri, rahimahumullah, rahimahullah. So when you look at, you know, the different um, narrations, there are many, many, um, you know, reports that tell us that these dots were put there. But we are now going to look at what is the difference between the dots because in the first first days there were dots as we see them today as fatha and kasra and then there were dots for the words itself right so whoever did place the, the, the dots on the quranic letters we just know that he was the first one to put it into the quranic scripts that doesn't mean that he was the one who invented the dots just the one that placed it in the quranic transcript so just like there was no dots in the beginning, there was also no fatha, dhamma, and kasra, right? And we see that many people say that Yahya bin Ya'mur 
and Nasr bin Asim al-Laythi, they got this done by the command of Hajjaj bin Yusuf. Now when you understand why this is so important, you have to know that before for a fatha, they never used to actually put a fatha, they would put a dot a, a dot on the top of the letter, over the letter. And if it was a short vowel kasra sound, the ih sound, they would put a dot be in front of, uh, the, the dot would be under the letter. And if it was an oof sound, the bomma sound, they would put it in front of the letter. So it would be literally the ta, and then there would be this dot in front of the ta. If it was a dhamma, if it was a kasra, it would be under, and if it was a fatha, it would be on top of this, right? Then later on, then Khalil bin Ahmed, he founded the signs of the Hamza, the different, you know, how the Hamza changes, and the Tashdeed. And then uh, Hajjaz bin Yusuf, he then asked Yahya bin Ya'mur and Nasr bin Asim al-Laythi and Hassan al-Basri, he asked them to put both the dots and the Fatha and the Dhamma and the Kasra as we know it on, that, the, on those letters. Allah knows best who was first, who was second. But subhanAllah, we thank Allah subhanAllah that people took the time to place these uh, these signs so that we can recite the Quran. When one sign is taken away from our, our Quran, how difficult is it to recite? Now we look at the stages of what is a manzil, the hizb and a manzil, right? So in the time of the Sahaba, عنهم, I'm sure when you recite your Quran, at the bottom of the Quran, there is this word, Meem, Noon, Zalam, Manzil. And you'll find on the opposite side of the page, there is, it is written in English, Manzil. And a lot of times people don't understand what is the Manzil and why was it divided like this. So it was it is customary in the Sahaba, at the time of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een that they would take one week to complete a Quran. One week to complete a Quran. So for this, they had to obviously have fixed portions. So for their daily recitation, they would have a certain amount that they would read. So what they did was when they were dividing it, each portion that they would read each day was either referred to as a hizb, which means portion, or manzil, which also means a section, right? So in this way, what they did was, for the seven days of the week, they would divide the Qur'an into seven stages, and then the Sahaba would then complete their khatam of the Qur'an once a week based on those seven divisions. So the first his the first section consisted of three surahs, right? The first three surahs. The second five, the third of seven surahs. The fourth his the fourth section was nine surahs, and the fifth section had eleven surahs, the sixth had thirteen, and then the final his is from Surah Al Qaf right until the end of the Quran, which is about four or five paras. So it's technically speaking just allowing the reciter to then say from Sunday to Sunday of Monday to Sunday, seven days, we can ensure that we are making one khatam of the Quran, right? So this is the hizb, the, the manzil as we know it, right? So when you look at your Quran at the bottom and you see that little word, understand the, the reasoning behind it. Now we have something quite important, and that is the ajza, the juz, which is a the, the 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 thirty chapters that they are in the Quran. We all know that there are thirty different chapters in the Quran, right? So the division of this ajza, the thirty chapters, is it has nothing to do with the meaning of the Quran, but what it has been done, it has been done in this manner 
to make it easy for children when they are memorizing, when they are learning, it's, it's more as a teaching aid. It's more so that they see that this is where it ends and where a different part starts, right? It's very difficult for us to say with certainty who is the person who made this division, who divided the Quran into the 30 parts. And some people say that when uh, Uthman radiallahu anhu, when they were writing the transcripts down, then they wrote it down in 30 scripts and, and it you know divides in 30 sections and this goes back to his time. But there are not there are not, not many proofs out there, there's not many, you know, narrations that tell us that this was you know, authentic. And then we see that Alama Badruddin, he had written the Quran and he had said that the 30 parts of the Quran was so that they would be easier in schools. That's why they were written like that for schools. So it appears that this division was made many years later and it's more just to facilitate the ease of memory and the ease of of um of learning for for students okay so alhamdulillah we are looking at the stages we've looked at the ajza we've looked at even the the, the dots and the fatha and the mind kasra now a very important thing that we have to understand in the early days there was a sign that was used in the quranic transcriptions in the very very early centuries and they would place this word kha or they would write next to it khams after every five verses they would put a kha and they would put na'ayn or they would put the word ashar after every 10 verses in the margin, right? So these signs, they don't, if you look at our Quran today, you don't really find them. But in those days, they were called akhmas and ash'ar. Now, what was the reason for having these signs and what was the reason that they were there is that some people say, there were many reports that say that Khalif Ma'moon, who was an Abbasi Khalif, he ordered them to mark this and to place it there. And we see this, you know, narrated and, and written down in the Kitab al-Burhan. But both of these, you know, tell us that when you when you see those those signs, you know, those little signs that Ash'ar and the 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 the, the Khams or the, the Kha, we see that it was there in the time of the Sahaba. And we have, you know, today it isn't written there, but in those days they would actually demarcate every five ayat and every ten ayat by these signs. Now there's one sign that you and I are familiar with. So the so the, the kha and the ayn, we don't really see it in the Quran, those ones, but there's a different one. It's a sign of a rukur. And we always use this word. We, said we, we say we are coming to the end of a rukur. And this ayn that you see, we see in the margin, the little ayn, that is, it's, it's, you know, we are dividing the ruku'at. So what is a ruku'at? Many people say that in the time of Uthman radiallahu an, they placed this there and they, they, they placed that sign so that you are able to determine an average portion of ayat that you can recite in your salah. Subhanallah. So that ruku' is basically an amount that you are able to recite in your salah so that it's not too long or too short. So that's one of the reasons why there is something called a ruku', right? So it's called ruku' because it indicates to you that here now you can stop and you can then go into ruku'. So imagine if you are reciting the Quran and you are just reading and you're reading and then you want to now go into ruku' and you don't know where to stop because you're reading a beautiful section of the Quran and it's so interesting. The story. You can't just stop at any given point. So this indication of a ruku' tells you right it's you can stop here because the section is complete and you can go into ruku' right 
Now, if you look at, um, there's many, many kitabs that speak about this, but the Mashayikh, they divided the Quran into 540 ruku'at. So those ruku'at that you see, there's that little ayn sign, you get over 540, subhanAllah. And why? This is so that the Quran can be divided throughout Ramadan and be completed by the 27th night of Ramadan, subhanAllah, right? Now, you get many other signs, and I'm sure we all know the, the signs for stopping. We know the Taw sign, we know the Saad, we know the Meme, we know all of those that are obligatory to stop. Now, there's one sign that we come across in the Quran that I think we, 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 we tend to overlook the sign, but it's a very important one. There's a sign called Mu'anaqa, and usually you'll see that it's three little dots. When you see these three little dots, you have to either stop at one place and read through the next, or you will read through the first, or you can stop at either one of the two places, but you cannot stop at both places, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, Allah gives us this, you know, this, uh, uh, these uh, different ayat, and one is, Allah says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ذلك مثلهم في التوراة ومثلهم في الإنجيل I can either stop at Torah or Injil so I, I, now I read through Torah and I stop at Injil or I could say ذلك مثلهم في التوراة ومثلهم في الإنجيل كزرع أخرج شطأه can you see? I'm either stopping at the one or I'm stopping at the other one. So we cannot stop at both places, okay? Then we have something called a sector, right? And this sector, I think many of us overlook it. And this is when you should stop without taking any breath. You stop there and if the, the, the problem is why you have that pause is that just understand from English, if you have to recite something and you don't pause at that particular section, then it might give an erroneous meaning. It might allow somebody to understand something incorrectly. So you pause there to show you that there is a little bit of a distinction between what you have been saying and what you are saying at the same time. Now, there are many other stop signs. There are waqfa, there are qif, there are sila. All of these that are very famous that we have done. So, inshallah, we're going to stop there right now. And inshallah, on Wednesday afternoon, we'll be focusing on the printing of the Quran and the way, subhanAllah, it took time from all those years ago with the bones and the, you know, the wood and the trees and how we now evolved to printing the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Beloved listeners, Jazakallah khair for joining me on Hayatun Tayyibah. I hope you've had a beautiful, beautiful afternoon. And inshallah, I ask you all to remember myself and the listeners of Radio Islam International in your Mubarak du'as. As we get close to Ramadan, we ask Allah for barakah in our time. Allahumma barik lana fi rajaba wa sha'bana wa balighna Ramadan. Allahumma barik lana fi rajaba wa sha'bana wa balighna Ramadan. Allahumma sallimna li Ramadan wa sallim Ramadan. As always, it has been a beautiful one hour. Inshallah, we'll chat again soon this Wednesday afternoon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.